Genesis 25. Genesis 25. Let's go to the Old Testament. About 67 people registered for discipleship. Isn't that great? $15 covers the cost of the book and the cost of the course materials. Uh, Starts on Sunday nights. Here, baby. Starts on Sunday nights in January. Uh, Towards the end of the month. Is it the 26th, Joe? Yeah, y'all register for that. We don't have child care available this semester, Lord willing. We have in the fall. We'll have folks that can actually do the child care and help us with that and volunteer some of their Sunday evenings and help us out. Um, very, very excited about discipleship. If you love the Lord, say amen. amen. All right, Genesis 25. Look with me at a rather familiar story. And the boys grew. What are we in, 27. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So mom and daddy both got favorites. Dad favors the more masculine, manly boy who's not on a vegan diet out there in the woods hunting and killing, skinning. And mama loves her vegetarian son. I don't think he was really vegetarian, but. Verse 29, Jacob sawed pottage. He's making soup. And Esau came from the field and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Can you see him as he's stirring this giant 20-gallon thing of soup, steam coming off of it. It's a red brew, boiling over a fire. He says, oh, you hungry? You hungry, bro? No luck in the tree stand today. Sell me your birthright. So when you're, when you're the oldest brother, you by birth inherit the birthright. You, you get the patriarchal blessing over your life, inheritance, so many materialistic and possessional things that come into you. He says, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. Look at the screen, Hebrews 12. Look at a New Testament perspective of this story. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, 
who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Let's read verse number 17 again. For you know how that afterward, everybody say that word, say afterward, afterward, when he would have, say that with me, would have, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance though he sought it carefully with tears. Quickly, I want to talk to you on this subject, dear future me. Dear future me, what if, hypothetically, you could fast forward your life and you could hear from your future self? What if, hypothetically, you could go and sit down and have a conversation with your future self and let your future self tell your present self a few things? Would your, would your future self thank you or would your future self curse you? Would, would your future self look at you and say, great job, way to go, way to put things in order, way to set me up? Or would your future self look at your present self and go, what the heck were you thinking? What have you been doing? God, I'm glad we got this time. I want to wring you by the neck and slap you in the face. What have you been doing with your life? What, what, if, what if I could get present me to honor the future me? What if I could get present me to consider future me? What if I could get present me to bless future me? What if I could get present me to set up future me? Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? See, only, only in Hebrews 12 do, do you and I really see the full gravity of Esau's mistake. Like, we, we, get, we get a pretty realistic situation in Genesis 25. It's a head-scratcher. But not until you get to chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, thousands of years later, do you and I really capture the full gravity of Esau's mistake and decision. And we see that Esau blessed his present self, but he robbed his future self. He blessed his present self, but he robbed his future self. Imagine with me if right prior to the exchange where he verbally vows to agree to this trade of a birthright for a bowl of soup, imagine if Esau would have sat down and in the present penned a letter to his future self. What would that letter look like? Imagine if you were to sit down right now in your present self and pin a letter to your future self. What would it look like? And how scary it is to pull the honesty and spirit of this congregation and how close the letter of Esau and the letter of you and I would probably look in similarities. I believe Esau's letter would probably look something like this. Dear future me, I never really think about you. I just live in the moment. I seldom appreciate what I have. They say to count your blessings, but I so often forget. 
and then I'm sorry for what I'm about to do today. I'm about to give away something that belongs to you. And from this moment on, I will be the reason that you hate where you are in life. It's going to be my fault that you miss your meant to be. Today, I'm going to lose the very thing that I don't value. I'm going to hand it over in exchange for something that will only satisfy me in the moment. And now, as I write this letter to you, the bowl that is full will soon be empty. The stomach that is empty will soon be full and the moment will pass. Future me, thank you for always praying for me to make the wise decision. But I must regret to inform you, I'm making my choice, and today I'm choosing the soup. I realize that in exchange for this bowl of beans, I will be forfeiting what could have been ours. But I'm choosing to live in the moment, in the present, in the now, YOLO. <laughs> I wish things would have turned out better for you, and sadly, I know that I will be to blame. Signed, Esau, present me, and past you. Surely, surely Esau's fate could have been drastically different. I mean, surely it didn't have to turn out that way. We all know about the power of choice and the power of free will. We know that his hand wasn't forced. Surely your life could turn out drastically different too. And maybe up to this point, present you, which used to be a future you, would go back and slap the you-know-what out of the past you. But there is no time machine, no hypothetical setup that you and I can examine where we can go back in the past, nor can we Marty McFly it and go ahead to the future. But what if we could get such a view of future me and future you that it changed present me and present you? What could Esau have done differently, one might ask? Well, could it be the same thing that Esau should have done differently would be the very same thing that you and I should now do differently for the sake of future you, future me, future us? Here's what I want to propose to you. The first thing I think he probably should have done is he probably should have addressed the voices in regards to what he heard. And that's what I want to say to you. Address the voices in regards to what you hear. Address the voices. What do you, what do you mean, Pastor D? Well, the dialogue should have been completely different than what you and I read in Genesis 25. It could, it could have been completely different. In fact, if you look at the story, Esau's the one that brought this whole thing up. He, he says this in verse 30. Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Y'all know how that is when you're hungry. Come on now. You go from hungry to hangry, right? But here's what I love. Watch this right here. It, he, he says, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red, pot, same red pottage, for I am faint. And Jacob's like, sell me your birthright, bro. And then verse 32, he says this, I'm, I'm at the point to die. Isn't it funny? When you're exhausted, things get exaggerated. When, when you're tired, your view of you gets skewed. I can't say that again. 
Are you hearing me? When, when you're tired, when you're exhausted, things get exaggerated. And it looks worse than it really is. You feel worse than it really is. Somebody talked to me this morning. And, and you've got this voice, this tired voice of desperation, this voice of exhaustion that rises up inside of you. And the same voice that exhausts you is the same voice that exaggerates to you. I'm about to die. That's the way I feel every Sunday after church when it comes time to eat. Oh, I'm starving to death. I say that. My kids say that. We're starving to death. Are we really about to die? No. No. And now how you feel when you get home from work, you had a long day? The devil, life, people, yourself has beat the you-know-what out of you. But exhaustion gets exaggerated. You're like, man, I just, just want to freaking die. I'm dead. I hate people. I hate life. This world sucks. You start saying stuff that's not, you don't really feel that way. But you feel that way. Because exhaustion and exaggeration go hand in hand. And look, here's, look at this another voice that, 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 that comes into the conversation. Verse 31, Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. So, so the initial voice of exhaustion is, is Esau. And then you've got this voice of exchange that speaks up, and it's a, it's a voice of deception. And, and y'all know the character of Jacob, if you've ever profiled this guy. They were twins in the womb. Esau came out first, and Jacob was holding him by the heel when they came out of the womb, like literally holding on to his heel. Jacob's always grabbing. The, the, the name Jacob means trickster, deceiver, supplanter, schemer. And, and so here he is with trickery in mind as he's brewing this bowl of beans and he says, how about you sell me your birthright in exchange for a bowl of my magic recipe? He was trying to get Esau to act in the moment, okay? And the reason, the reason deception, the reason this voice of, of exchange wants you to act in the moment is because impulse Impulse is what will lead you to forfeit what God has later for what you want right now. You, you will give up something God's got in his hand over, over something that the devil's cooking in a pot. Because in your mind, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and things get exaggerated, and you desperately want something in the now in exchange for what God had waiting in reserve, preserved, and ready for you in the future. And let me say this, when you begin to address these voices that are at war within yourself, the, the voice of discernment will speak up that you and I have from the Holy Spirit of God, and you will hear that voice register inside of your spirit. And the voice of, the voice of influence from God will never lead you, listen to me, it'll never lead you to sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the immediate. God will never lead you. In, if, if it's rushed, if it's spontaneous, I know God's a God of suddenly, but God is never going to lead you to exchange something he has for something you think you need in the moment. When you're tired, it's all you know. When you're tired, it's all you feel. Let me say this. Don't you ever make a major decision when you're exhausted or discouraged. It'll always be the wrong one. I'm tired of this. Don't do anything. Because when you're tired of this, you don't really know what you're tired of because it's exaggerated to you and it's worse than you think it is or it's not as bad as you think it is. Address the voices. Let me say another thing quickly. He should have appreciated the value in regards to what he had. 
So we address, we address these voices in our mind. Part of it's us. Part of it's the devil. Part of it's our flesh. Part of it's somebody's influence in our life. Address the voices. The second thing you do is you have to appreciate the value of what you had. Look at what, look what Esau said in verse 32. Behold, I'm at the point to die. Check this out, y'all. What profit shall this birthright do to me? <laughs> uh, dude, you hold in your hand something more valuable than a winning lottery ticket. Like you, you, you got in your possession something of so much value, but you're so exhausted and things are so exaggerated that you can't even see what it's worth right now. You don't even know what you got, buddy. See, Esau was in a blessed, a blessed position, but he didn't see it as a blessed position. This joker's in a blessed situation, but he didn't see it as a blessed situation. I, I wrote this down, and God told me to tell you this. When, when, your, when your blessing starts losing value to you, it's a precursor that you're about to lose your blessing. It always loses value before you lose it. It's just not, it's not worth what it was at one time. What, has it changed in value? Has the price tag God put over this thing that he has given you, that he's entrusted to you, has it changed in God's mind? No, it's changed in yours. It's changed in yours. And Esau was in a blessed position, but he didn't see it. And the, this birthright that he wanted to so give away was actually what he was supposed to become. It wasn't just some materialistic inheritance. Sure, I mean, he'd, he, he's tempted right now to give up a birthright for a bowl of soup. If, if he gets this birthright, he's going to have more people bringing him more soup than he could ever imagine. But in the moment, all he can see is, I'm hungry, I'm starving to death, I gotta eat, you got the soup, this ain't doing me no good right now. And he was about to give up his meant to be. And he did. He gave up who he was meant to become. He lost value to him. You're in a dangerous place when you're meant to be loses value to you. And let me say this. The only reason Esau even was a recipient of the birthright is because of who his daddy was. And because of the family he was born into. Let me say something. I'm not talking about who you were born into the first time. I'm talking about who your daddy was when you were born the second time, when you were born of spirit, when you were born of transformation, when you were born of God and made a soul who was saved and sanctified and God became your father. At one time he was your foe and now he's your father. When you were born the second time, can I say that God had a value you placed on your future that your eye has not seen your ear has not heard it's never even crossed your mind the unthinkable things that God has in store for you oh my God do some of you know what you were meant to be do you have any idea the potential that God had over you I ain't trying to sell you some crazy televangelist bit right now I'm telling you that you were supposed to be in hell 
damned in your own sin and shame and God plucked you out of the fire, forgave you of all the charges and the debt over your head, washed away your past, gave you a new name and a new nature and with that, you became an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. That means everything that God had for his son, he now has for his sons. Everything that God had for his son, he now has for his daughters. So everything that the devil wanted to keep me from is now a reality. I'm rich beyond measure. I'm wealthy beyond compare. I've got a meant to be. It was promised, guaranteed. Do I got anybody in this room that knows I got a meant to be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're starting to believe it now. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you got a meant to be. And Esau gave over his meant to be because it lost value to him. What profit is this going to do me? You know why it lost value to him? Because it wasn't, it wasn't benefiting him right then in the moment. It's a birthright. It doesn't come into effect until later. You don't really live in the fruition of this promise until later. <laughs> it ain't, see, think about it. He didn't lose anything in the moment. He actually gained in the moment, if you think about it. I'm going to die. I'm so hungry. Oh, give me a bowl of that chunky lentil. Whew, yes. Yes, Lord. Oh, I feel better. God, I was so famished. I thought I was going to die. Seriously, Jake, I thought I was going down. I feel a whole lot better now. Let's go to the house. I'm going to go admire my trophies. And it didn't hit him. It didn't resonate with him. It didn't strike a chord in him. I just gave away my future. I just traded my legacy for lentils. I traded my birthright for beans. I just handed over my meant to be. Like when I was born, what my daddy saw in mind for me, I just gave it away for soup and bread. Could it be that many of us are so impulsive and spontaneous, driven by the nature of our carnal flesh, that you and I are giving up the very things we were meant to be in this life, in this world, for the things that you and I can only see, feel, and know right now. He didn't appreciate the value of what he had. And it started losing value to him before he lost it. Has Satan done a great job of cooking your favorite recipe and making you think that what you have has no value to you? Has he, has he done a good job of making you think you'd be happier with somebody else? Has he, has he done a good job of thinking that there's a better life out there on the other side of that fence where that grass is a whole lot greener? And he ain't gonna tell you there's a septic tank under the ground that's why the grass is greener. He ain't going to tell you when you plant yourself in that grass and start digging, it's going to taste and smell like, well, you know. 
God ain't he smooth. Esau didn't appreciate what he had. And he lost what he had because he didn't appreciate it. It wasn't, it wasn't as valuable as it could have been, should have been. He didn't address these voices. He didn't appreciate the value of what he had. Here's, here's the last thing I want to hit you with. And this is, I, I want to park right here for just a second. The last thing I think we should do is adjust our vision in regards to what we see. I think we should adjust our vision in regards to what we see. Uh, On the video camera that we have, there's there's a focus feature, a focus effect, and, and, and you can be videoing this audience, and I can hone in on Michael McCrone right here, and as I hone in on Michael McCrone, Taylor, and Nikki in the back are blurred. But with this focus effect, I can blur Michael McCrone and I can bring into focus Taylor or in the back I can bring into focus Nikki. I can adjust the vision by adjusting the focus from what's close to what's far. See, to you and I, a timeline is a linear path. A timeline. We, we judge time like distance. Like the present is right here. Later, the future is so far away. And it's literally like a timeline based on a path of distance. And our mind makes judgments of value based on time. I don't have the ability to see how valuable something is when it's far away. But when I have something close to me in the present, in the now, in the moment, it's very real to me. I can reach out and grab it. I can reach out and touch it. Money means something because I can hold it in my hand. It's very real to me. Soup is very real to me. Sex is very real to me. Relationships are very real to me. Marriage is very real to me. Raising kids right now, having to discipline you right now is very real to me. Presence under a tree, spending X amount of dollars in December, very real to me. All this is very real to me. It's right now. You know what's not real to me and you know what's not real to you? 10 years down the road. 20 years down the road. Why? Because I make judgments of value based on time because I treat time like home to first base, home to the foul pole out the fence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What if we could live with a future sense in the present tense? My God, I just said something right there. What if we could live with a future sense while in the present tense. Ashley, come here, I need you to help me. Taylor, come help me out. Come here, come here, come here, come on. Baby, I need you to come close to me. Taylor, stand next to that subwoofer down there. No, no, come on, come on close, close. You, you can get as close as you wanna get. Ah, good decision. I'm married to her, by the way. <laughs> 2019, it's December what? 29, right? This is January. This is January. It's everything God's got for me in January. It's everything happening in January. This is also everything the devil has for me in January. This is January. This is now. January is now, by the way. 
It's 2020. No, it's not. Not on the cut. Shut up. It's 2020. It's, it's here. It's upon us. Don't let a number tell you what time it is. It's now, okay? This is now. This is the present. This is what I feel, okay? I'm hungry. I'm at the point to die. This is the present. You know what I can't see, what I can't feel, what I can't discern, what I can't properly evaluate and assess? It's 2030. I can't, I can't really see 2030. Now, let me tell you what I do see. What I see in the moment when I'm weak, everybody say weak, when I'm exhausted, when I'm tired, when I'm discouraged, I see right now. And this thing that I think I need, let's say, for example, let's say this, this is something that the devil has got cooked up for me by way of a bowl of soup. It's a counterfeit. It's a knockoff. It's a second rate. It's not, it's not as good as what God has. This is what I have, the world has, or the devil has for me now. This is what God has for me later. <laughs> the illustration is going to make sense in a second, I promise you. <laughs> I hope I didn't prophesy. That'd be messed up. Now, I want you to see something. In the moment, right now, right now, in the moment, From where I'm sitting, based on my perception, because of my proximity, this appears to be way bigger than that. It does. This, uh, you're, you're, you're two and a half times his size from where I'm sitting right here. Because this is now and this is close. This is all I see. This is all I feel. This is very relevant this is reachable. This makes sense. That's not very realistic. And because that's so far away in the future, my, my perception is deceived because of my proximity. I'm far away from him. So he looks smaller than he really is. And because he looks smaller, I think he's not as valuable. I think that blessing is not as valuable 10 years down the road as this one is right here, right now. Are you hearing me? But, but if I'm able to live with a future sense, if I can engage in mental time travel, if I can, if I can engage out of the present and think, I'm like, whoa, dang. This blessing is bigger and furrier. <laughs> I mean, I can't even get my arms around this. And, and this, this blessing, I mean, this, this blessing, I could tote it off with one hand like Superman. But the reality is, when you put them, if, if, I, if I'm able to separate myself from a timeline of linear assessment and I'm able to truly evaluate my blessings in value next to them, I find out that what God had for me later was far greater than what I had for me right now. 
And I almost, if I wasn't able to live with a future sense in the present sense, I almost traded a birthright in exchange for a bowl of soup. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Y'all have a seat. Have a seat. Do it right now. Take your thumb. Take your thumb. Hold your thumb up next to your face. Wait till you get to your seat, baby. Hold your thumb up next to your seat, right next to your face. All right, now put that thumb up right next to me. Right next to me. Right next to me. Your thumb right now, based on perception and proximity, looks what? Just as big, if not bigger, than I do. Now, the reality is I'm way bigger than your thumb. But because your thumb is closer to you and you judge timeline on a linear path, the present looks like it's got something bigger. When in reality, this thing on the stage is way bigger than what you got on the end of your hand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What if we could engage in mental time travel and picture ourselves 10, 20, or 30 years down the road? What if you were able to see yourself? Listen to me, I'm almost done. What if you were able to see yourself living without the thing you gave away? What if right before he took that exchange and traded birthright for beans, what if he was able to picture his life without the birthright? He didn't do it in the moment because he was exhausted. In the moment, you lose the ability to live with the future sense in the present tense. But what if he was able to push pause and go, hold on, and the whole thing froze. Jacob froze. Everything froze. The cosmos, the universe, all of time froze. And Esau was able to look at his situation and go, I see what's going on here. You want me to take this soup and give you this birthright, but if I give you this birthright, I can't feel it right now, and I can't see it right now, but if I give you this birthright, 10, 20 years from now, I'm going to hate you, I'm going to hate myself. You're going to be over me. Everything that I could have had, you're going to have. I'm going to have to watch you bask in the very thing that was meant for me. And I'll never fully come into what I was meant to be for God, what God had meant for me. I'll never really see that. But he never pushed pause. He never lived with a future sense in the present tense. I, I started doing this recently. I started doing this. I started imagining myself 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. And, and I've had to get some places just in the last few months where I push pause and I go, uh, how's that going to look down the road? How is that going to affect future me? And I started thinking about those things. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 17, for you know how that afterward, everybody say afterward, when he would have, uh-huh. You're going to have a lot of would have, should have, could haves. If you don't live with a future sense in the present tense. Here's what I want to tell you. Live right now with the future you in view. Live right now with the future you in view. I got a picture of myself this summer. Look, here I am right here. See that? That's me. I'm 36 in that picture. I'm sporting the Amish preacher look. But I don't, I'm, I'm trying to live my life outside of what I see in the mirror. I'm trying, and listen to me, hear me out. I'm going to use me as an example. I'm trying to look, now right now, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing whatever with food, okay? I'm doing whatever. I'm doing whatever. I'm like the guy who's constantly lying to himself. I'm in control, all right? I know what I'm doing. I got this. But when it comes to like diet, health, um, money, uh, the way I talk to kids, um, 
when I'm sitting there with the laptop in my lap and I've worked three or four hours on a bunch of sermons or a bunch of planning or personal ministry and the kids are coming in and they start talking about something, like, am I going to keep working or am I going to let that be my first ministry and keep this my second ministry? Am I going to close the laptop? Little things like that. When I got time with Ashley, um, when, when we come into some unexpected money, what am I going to do with it at the moment? Are we going to throw it towards debt and sn- keep snowballing? Am I going to honor God and give what's his? Am I going to be in the moment and go find soup? You know, I, I'm trying to think like that. Like, so I'm trying to live with the future you in view. And so when I look at myself, I see this guy. No, no. No, the next one. I see that guy. That's a, <laughs> Yes. At some point in the at some point I became reptilian and uh, <laughs> I managed to keep the same body fat percentage, but I just looked like I fell out of Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> thank you, FaceApp and the Russians and the Holy Ghost. This, this is I, no, I'm serious. I, I don't look at this picture every day and go, "All right, man, I'm gonna bless you today." <laughs> but I'm trying to think in terms of a future me. And you know the problem with most of us in this room is we don't ever see that version of ourselves. How do you live with the future you in view? The present self is so large and in charge and so in control, right? How do you do that? Future view of future you. The present you, the present you is very now. It has these arms and hands that can just eat donuts upon donuts and just gorge itself and order, you know, six chicken fingers with extra fries, no coleslaw. Give me three Zach sauces and give me a big old large Coke. Heck, I'm coming inside so I can get refills. You know, all that kind of stuff, right? Just, just continue, like, like, like just in regards to health alone. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying health because that's, that's a spiritual capacity. We try to separate spiritual and physical. Your body's spiritual. It's the housing unit for God. It's, it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we can't, we can't act like it's not a thing. All right? Like, how, how do I live with a future, a view of the future you? How do I do that when the present me is, like, able to go to whatever place I want to at Banks Crossing and eat whatever I want to, live however I want to? Okay, well, engage in mental time travel. Picture you on track for you in 20 or 30 years. Imagine you not being able to tie your shoes. Imagine you getting winded and tired when you're chasing your grandkids outside. Imagine how much the doctor bills will cost because you didn't take care of your body. You see? Now, now, now keep that right there. Now imagine future you if you started taking care of yourself. I'm just using health. Go money. We'll go money. You want to talk about money? Fine. You brought it up. I'll talk about money. <laughs> Imagine money. I mean, everybody in this room's affected by it, thinking about it, going to have to go figure out how to make more of it, and nobody wants to talk about it. That's stupid. Right now, the present you so in charge. Free spirit, spending, spending, buy, buy, buy. Save very little. Invest none. Give, eh, we'll tip God when we feel like it. How's that pattern look? Imagine that guy, that girl, 10, 20, 30 years out down the road. Imagine that version of you. All right? Still broke. Still week to week. 
still strapped, still frustrated, still mad. You're still fighting in your marriage about the same thing you were fighting, what, 20 years ago? Never able to get ahead. Okay, now, keep that thought. Now, imagine that version of you if you started budgeting your money, instead of your money telling you where to go, you started telling your money where to go. What's that line? You said it this past week, Ashley. God, it's so good. What is it? Uh, maybe you said it. Adults, uh, adults devise a plan and stick to it. You didn't say it. Who said it? Dave Ramsey said it. Well, I'm glad you gave co- uh, credit where credit's due. Scott, what's the thing Dave Ramsey says? Adults devise a plan and stick to it. Children, children do what feels good. I'll say that again since we're talking about money. Adults devise a plan and stick to it. Children do what feels good. Gosh, that stings, doesn't it? Good, good. That'll save the future you. That'll save the future you. What about your marriage? Have you pictured that version of y'all in 20 years? Oh, it's non-existent. Okay, 10 years. Have you thought about that? Or your kids? Your kids. If you're not going to think about your future self, think about your future seed. What about your relationship with God? You're going to always straddle the fence, one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom? Always living in a juggling act? No, think future you, future view. Live with a future sense in the present tense. Push pause for a second, man. Evaluate the bottom of that bowl and just take a good look at where you're at and the way things could be, meant to be, and really should be. And start by addressing these voices. You're not as tired as you think you are. It's not as bad as you say it is. It's not what it appears. It's not what it looks like. You're exhausted, which means it's been exaggerated, all right? So I started addressing these voices. Well, Satan's coming up with something real good to give you in exchange for what God has later. Somebody say amen, amen. all right? Appreciate the value of what you do have. You're, you're lo- right now, what you do have, at one time you asked for it. At one time you prayed for it. At one time you hoped for it. Now you got it. Now it's, losing, now it's losing value to you. And when it starts losing value to you, look out, you're going to lose it. What's the last one? Adjust your vision. We treat time like a linear path, and what's close to us feels the most valuable. What's far from us feels the less valuable, but things are not what they feel. Your feelings are warped. Your feelings are warped. What if, what if we went into 2020, what if we went into 2020 Treating ourselves like the future version of us would want to be treated. I'm not saying you got to get on FaceApp and take a picture of yourself and see what you look like 30, 40 years from now. I don't know what the heck's wrong with that stupid program anyway. All, my sta- all the staff here has done it, and they, they look 10 years younger than my version of myself. I don't know what that is. All right, they dug me up out of the ground and put a shirt on me. What's up with that? <laughs> Jake's going to come help me close. Live with a future sense in the present tense. Let's say that together. Live 
with a future sense in the present tense. That's a mouthful. Say it with me. Live with a future sense in the present tense. Say it one more time. Live with a future sense in the present tense. See your future self. See your future seed. Well, heck, we'll alliterate it. You want to do it? Let's do it. See a future scene. See you when it's all over and done with. That's what I do. That's what I do sometimes too, and it helps me. I try to see the judgment day version of me. Right? Not that guy. No, if I look like that at the judgment day, me and God are going to have a side conversation. I'm like, okay, this glorified body thing happened for everybody else. Why do I look like one of the freaking uh, California raisins over here? What's up with this? You ever see that version of you? The judgment day version of you? Standing before God, giving account of your life, what you did with everything you ever had? Giving an account of your meant to be and why you came into it and why you didn't come into it? That's a good version of you to think about. You do, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. This whole heaven, hell, Jesus, salvation, that stuff's not very real to you. Not very real to me. Not in the flesh, not in the moment, not in the present. I can't touch none of that. I can't hear none of that. That's not real to us. All we know is this tiny little life we have right here. But here's the reality. When you look at the timeline of eternity, when you look at the timeline of eternity, there's a tiny little dot on it right there. That dot could be anywhere from 10 to 100 years. It's a dot though. The timeline has no beginning and no ending. It's eternity. And then there's this little section, this parenthetical insert called time. And God made time. And he orchestrated the universe and the cosmos and this planet. And he took this planet and picked this planet to be the very place where he'd create a relationship with mankind. And mankind persuaded, convinced, falling under the deception of the devil, plunged itself into sin. And God did something about it by becoming one of us, dying as one of us, dying for all of us, riveting the very curse of death. And that timeline is where your life is and where my life is. And it's a dot. It's a dot. And all we see, know, feel, and experience is the dot. That's all I can feel. That's what separates me from the unsaved version of me that I had for 18 years. I could feel, I, I, I base my life and my decisions on feeling and not on faith. And faith sees beyond the timeline. Faith, faith sees beyond the dot. Feelings, I live in the dot. I live in the moment and I die in that. And that's it. I brought nothing in this world, I'll take nothing out. But my God, if I could start seeing this world, this life, myself outside of this little feelings bubble if I could by faith start seeing a future me a future seeing and start living with the future sense in the present tense my God how much different my ministry could be how much different my life could be my marriage my money my health how much different we could all be